We're going to be doing, on the morning sessions, we're going to be studying the science of biblical deduction, how we can learn more from Scripture, how we can use the Bible better. Because you know what the difference is between just a police officer and a detective? A police officer, for the most part, and I'm not knocking police officers. God bless police officers. But a police officer is, to, is trained to enforce the laws. A, a detective is trained to find out who broke the laws. They're trained to look at the same situation a normal police officer would and be able to take more information from it. Um, last night I told you that someone, you know, got the clue for our mystery very quickly. I'll leave that person nameless. But uh, uh, another counselor said, well, who got it? And I told them, and they said, they went to Bible college. That's not fair. Because, you know what, it's, it's, they had more training. They had a better sense of skill to be able to put some, pick something up. Well, hopefully what we're going to do today is we're going to train you a little bit better that when you pick up your Bible, when you pick up your copy of God's Word, you don't just see a book that's confusing that you can figure out a little bit better. And that's what we're going to do each day in our morning sessions. So this quote, this isn't your average everyday darkness. This is advanced darkness. Now, because this is a quote, these are quotation marks, you know that it's a quote, right? You know someone said this. But depending on who said it changes the meaning entirely, doesn't it? If this was, let's say, Winston Churchill during World War II, and they were fighting against, or not, yeah, if this was Winston Churchill in World War II, and he was referring to the darkness of the Nazi Party's souls, if he was referring to how dark mankind had become and the fact that they would willingly kill each other in that capacity. You could see that, right? This isn't just average darkness. This is advanced darkness. Or when we're talking about Satan, you know, and the, the opposite of light and dark. Or we could apply it there. Or maybe if you're uh, talking about literally in a cave or something in the darkness. Who said this? makes all the difference, doesn't it? It changes the whole meaning of the quote. Anybody know who said this? SpongeBob. Good job. High five you. Good work. Um, this is a SpongeBob quote. But until you know this is a SpongeBob quote, you don't know how to hear it in your head, do you? You don't know how to really process it. Um, so <laughs> when, you, when you picture this coming out of SpongeBob's mouth, it's a little bit different, isn't it? It's a different quote. It's a different situation. All right, this one. My breath is offensive to my wife. I am loathsome to my brothers, to my own brothers. My breath is offensive to my wife, and I am loathsome to my own brothers. This could be Shakespeare. This could be any old English text where people are speak in that tone. But it changes the situation knowing who wrote it, doesn't it? Who do you think wrote this? Anybody? I know it's a big quote, and I know it's like, yeah. Kind of sounds like a song, not a song. But, I mean, it does. It could sound like a song. Yeah? Sherlock Holmes? <laughs> no, but it could. Yeah, that could work, too. No, it wasn't Joseph. 
That's the thing. You don't know how to process it. And how often do you guys pick up your Bible and you start reading and you have no idea who's writing? Or you have no idea who they're writing to? Or you have no idea what the process of action is actually going on? One of the most important things you can do to get more out of your Bible reading is to actually know who is writing, who they're writing to, who is actually in discussion here. This is actually Job from the Bible. When you think of all of Job's many afflictions, you don't see bad breath as one of them. But that was it. He said, my breath stinks and everybody hates me. Um, That's Job. When you look at it in that context, yeah, it makes more sense. So we're going to look at the context of who writes Scripture in order to make it a little bit more understandable. Now, in regards to Scripture, who wrote the Bible? There are over 40 prophets and messengers of God who wrote the Bible. Okay, The Bible that you contain has over 40 people that contributed to it. Now, each one of these people has a different perspective. Each one of these people has a different attribute. Paul was heavily involved in Jewish culture and Jewish religion, Judaism, before he came to Christ. So Paul has an influence of Judaism in all of his writings that is stronger than others. Moses was a poet. I know we don't always think about it that way, but Moses wrote very poetical language very often. And in fact, some parts of Genesis, Moses broke out in song. But you don't know that unless you're actually reading it and look at how it's written. Different people wrote different ways. Did you know that some of the books of the Bible are written by Jesus' half-brothers? Two of the books in the New Testament are written by Jesus' half-brothers. And when you think about that, when you read those books, you think the person who wrote this grew up side-by-side with Jesus and didn't even know he was the Messiah until after he died. When you think about it in perspective like that, it changes it. Because when Jesus' brothers were around Jesus while he was on earth, they thought he was crazy. His family literally tried to stop him from what he was doing at different times. But when you read what his brothers wrote, you see how different their lives had become. Now, on the same side, there are books of the Bible we don't know who wrote them. And that also causes our perspective to be a little bit different because we don't know who this person is. But there are over 40 different people that had their hands in writing the books of the Bible. There are 66 books of the Bible. 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. There was a big gap in between the writing of the Old Testament and the New Testament as well. The last book of the New Testament was written in 95 AD. Okay? You with me? That means 95 minus 2014 is what? Or 2014 minus 95 is what? Come on, you're middle schoolers. You can do this. Like, ow, math. Um, Junior counselors, you can help. (laughs) 2014 minus 95 is what? 1916? Okay, all of you math majors, um, either way, guess what? That's a lot of years ago. <laughs> you can figure that out later. Um, but we see that it's been that long since we, the last book of the Bible had been written. 
but it still applies to us every day. It still all flows seamlessly together. Now, the numbers on this change depending on what translation you use, because some translations separate verses in different areas or they include some verses together, but there are at least 1,189 chapters and roughly 32,000 verses in the Bible. Every one of them are written in a different capacity by different people. Let me ask you this. Who wrote Genesis? Moses? All right, which books of the Bible did Moses write? Let's throw this out there. All right, he, you, you guys were killing it. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, all right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Let me ask you this, Bible scholars. Moses died in Deuteronomy. Moses was dead in Deuteronomy. You actually talk about Moses' funeral in Deuteronomy. So, how did Moses write Deuteronomy? Yeah, Joshua is the general consensus of who finished Deuteronomy. Moses wrote it, but Joshua may have penned the end of it after Moses was gone. But when you think about that, I'm reading a book written by Moses, and it has Moses' death in it. It doesn't ever pick up and say, hi guys, Joshua here, taking over. But we have to assume of, you know, who picked it up after that. When you read, and when you think about the person that's writing, it changes things. Who, so when we have Genesis, the account of Genesis, who wrote Genesis again? Moses. Was Moses there at the creation? Was Moses there for almost half of what we read in Genesis? No. So when you think about it, Moses wasn't actually there for almost everything he wrote for a large portion of the book of Genesis. So how does that work? Well, the fact is, even though these men that wrote these scriptures down, it isn't just their words. It isn't just their things. It's a cross of between God speaking to them and them pinning it. As we see in 2 Peter, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never, lay, never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they carried along by the Holy Spirit. When we have Scripture, when we have messages from God through these over 40 people that wrote all of these different books, the thing we need to understand is that even though they wrote it down, even though that they wrote it down, God is the one who was breathing it. God is the one who was giving those instructions. Let me ask you this. How many of you really, honestly, when you pick up the Bible, do you honestly think about who wrote it, though? Who wrote each section? When you do, and when you start to think about who wrote it, it changes how you read it. Let's take um, the book of Mark, for example. Okay? The book of Mark is one of the four what? Gospels. Let me ask you, who is Mark? No. Not a half-brother either. Was Mark one of the twelve disciples? 
was Mark around through all of the experiences that he wrote about? I'm asking you. You tell me. You don't know. Thank you for being honest. Uh, Mark was not around for all of that. But you know who Mark did spend a lot of time with? Peter. Mark spent a lot of time with Peter. The book of Mark is essentially Peter's version of the gospel. The book of Mark is essentially the Peter's version of the gospel because Peter relayed it to Mark. Which is why, one of the reasons, it's one of the shortest books. Or one of the shortest gospels. You know why? Because Peter wasn't a wordsmith. Peter wasn't a writer. What was Peter? So when you read the book of Mark, it's to the point. It's cut. It's short. It's not wordy. On the flip side, the book of John. Who wrote the book of John? Good job. <laughs> that one's pretty simple. Um, you know, it's not always that easy when you wrote the book of John. But what was John called? Nope, different guy. Go ahead. The disciple whom Jesus loved, or the disciple Jesus loved. John was called the disciple Jesus loved. John had one of the most intimate and close relationships with Jesus of any of the disciples. So when you read that, you can tell when you read John's words, John's words are poetic. They're loving. They're beautiful in the way he writes it. And John paints Jesus his divinity more than any of the other three Gospels. Because John had that relationship with Jesus closer. John had that close relationship, so he saw how much more than just a man Jesus was. When you know who is writing each book of the Bible, it helps you to understand it better. Who wrote the book of Hebrews? Questionable. That's a good answer. Um, in my second year of Bible college, I had an uh, intro to New Testament and Paul's epistles. As I had two classes, back to back. My intro to New Testament professor swore up and down Paul wrote Hebrews. That was his official verdict. But then when I would go to my, you know, Paul's epistles class next door, he would say, no, Paul did not write that book. And literally, uh, my two professors would like sneer at each other across the hallway like, no, Paul didn't write that. And they would literally argue and disagree over it. And my intro to New Testament professor could show me, this is why Paul wrote it. This matches how Paul writes. This matches Paul's perspective. It matches the Hebrews, which Paul had such a close association to. And he had all those perspectives. Why? But does he know? But the things that we know about when we read Scripture help us to identify better. So let me ask you this. How do you find out who wrote the books of the Bible? How do you find out? If you pick up a Bible right now, how do you find out who wrote the books? Some Bibles tell you. Sometimes it says it right at the beginning of each chapter. Some of your Bibles will have a little insert that says, this is the history of who this is and everything like that. I encourage you, if you have a Bible that does that, read it. I know that anytime we pick up the Bible, we're like, we're just flipping to one verse and usually closing it. But if you truly want to study the Bible and you truly want to find out how to draw closer, you need to understand who wrote these books in order to be able to draw closer and to gain more information from it. Because otherwise, you mix up Winston Churchill and SpongeBob. 
You might mix up different things in that capacity. So which two books were written by Jesus' half-brothers? James. What's the other one? Jude. James and Jude. So when you think about it, and you look at James and Jude, you, and when you honestly keep in the perspective, these guys grew up with Jesus. These guys ate at the same breakfast table with Jesus. These guys did all these things with Jesus long before the disciples ever showed up, but it took them longer to come around. We can have a better perspective about it. You want to know one of the main reasons people that aren't saved and try and pick up a Bible stop? Because they don't know how to read it. They don't understand what they're reading. What do you find in every hotel in America? A Bible. And it's put there by the Gideons. That's their mission. Their, their mission is to put a, hotel, a Bible in every hotel in America so that anyone that stays there can hear the Word of God. But listen, if you don't know how to read it, you don't know how to study it, it can be very, very confusing. Now let me just go ahead and clarify this. The thing that you need most to be able to read and understand the Bible is not a concordance. It's not a study Bible. The thing that you need most to be able to read and understand the, whole, the Bible is the Holy Spirit. You need the Spirit of God opening Scripture up to you. And I strongly encourage you, not just outside of just finding statistical details, make sure that you're asking God to help you understand it. But there's a situation in the Bible where someone is reading Scripture. They're reading the book of Isaiah on a scroll. And they say, and someone approaches them and says, do you understand what you're reading? Who knows where I'm talking about? Uncle Paul does. Awesome. And Emily. Where am, I, where am I talking about? The Ethiopian eunuch was riding his chariot. He actually pulled over some reason and was opening scripture, and he didn't understand how to read it. And who went up to him? Okay. It was Philip and, the, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip went up to him, and he said, Do you know what you're reading? No, let me help you. Let me understand. Listen, guys, if you read Scripture and you don't know who's writing it, you don't know where it's coming from, then you're going to be confused. What are some other books of the Bible that we don't know who they wrote, that we don't know who they're written by? We know Hebrews is one. What's another? I'm going to give somebody else a chance. Hold on. Okay, go ahead. Job. We don't know who wrote Job. Um, they think Moses wrote Job. Think. Did I say Moses wrote Job? No. Some people think Moses wrote Job, just like some people think Paul wrote Hebrews. Do we know that? No. Um, they think also that Job was the first recorded book of Scripture, like the first one actually written down before Genesis or anything else. It was the first one written. Ecclesiastes. We know who wrote Ecclesiastes. Yep, we know who wrote Revelations too. Now here's the thing, guys. You need to take time to investigate this yourself. You need to take time to investigate that. Like I told you last night that uh, when we were reading Scripture, that uh, who did I say wrote the psalm we read last night? About how God knows us, we're wonderfully made, all that stuff. Who, who did I say wrote that psalm? David. 
But guess what? More than David wrote the book of Psalms. It actually changed almost psalm to psalm. So if you just say David wrote the book of Psalms, you're missing out on the fact that they changed up. There are people like the sons of Korah, and there are other people who actually wrote the book of Psalms because the book of Psalms is a song book. It's literally a worship notebook that they used to sing, and they would sing these psalms out loud. Now, outside of just knowing who it's written to or who it's written by, you also need to know who it's written to. All right, uh, the book of Titus. Who wrote the book of Titus? Paul wrote the book of Titus. But if you didn't know that, who would you think wrote it? Titus, because the name's on the front. The book of Titus is written from Paul to Titus. The same goes with 2 Timothy and 1 Timothy. Um, who wrote the book of Thessalonians? 1 Thessalonians. The Thessalonians? Yes, no. Um, Paul. Paul wrote the book of 1 Thessalonians, but who is he writing to? Was he writing, who's the Thessalonians? A city? A church? A people? Guys, these are things you need to make sure you know and can understand because when we understand not only who wrote it, but who, we, who it's being written to, it changes everything. 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, Paul is writing to his apprentice. Paul is writing to the one man he placed more faith and trust in than anyone else. When he writes to Corinthians, um, and you know that who he's writing to, when you find out who the Corinthian church is, it changes everything. Because the Corinthian church was literally one of the worst churches ever in Scripture. One of the most buck-wild, sinful, failing at almost everything churches that was there. But you know what he still called him? Saints. When you see the stuff that Paul writes to the Corinthian church, even though that they were technically considered one of the worst churches in the New Testament, Paul still addressed them as saints. When you know who it's being written by and who it's being written to, you have a much better understanding. The book of Leviticus, who is that written by? Moses, and the, what, who is the book of Leviticus actually addressed to? The Levites. The book of Leviticus is laws addressed to the, you know, Leviticus, those people, the people of the Levites, the people that were in the desert at that time. Because when you read the book of Leviticus, there's some stuff that you're just like, what is this? What are they talking about? What are all these rules? Why are, all, why are you even having to say all this stuff? But when you learn that it was being written to people that were wandering in the wilderness and it was laws to keep them alive and it was laws to help them to stay close to God as they wandered through all of those things, it helps you understand the perspective. If you don't know who wrote the books you're reading and who they were written to, you're going to be confused when you read them. You're not going to have the understanding you need to have so I would encourage you, I would challenge you, the next time you pick up Scripture, the next time you open up a Bible, put my Bible. See, I'm a loser. Can't even find my Bible. The next time you open up a Bible, make notes. Find out who wrote it and why they wrote it. Just like the book of Amos. 
I don't know personally off the top of my head. I don't know who wrote Amos. I don't know if it was written by Amos or to Amos. I knew at one point because I had to take a test on it. But right now, I don't know. But one of the best things I could do is, from my understanding, is to find out that information. The Bible is more than just something you pick up and read once in a while. It's something you have to study. It's something you have to dive into. It's something you have to do it because, you know what? The Bible is more than just words written by 40 men thousand plus years ago. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The Bible is, you know, there are some verses when you read the Bible that you think, why is this in there? When Job said, my breath stinks and everybody hates me. You know, how is that profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness? Is that telling us we should brush our teeth? What is that? You know, how does that apply? But the Bible teaches us that every single word, every single line that is in here is inspired by God. And that it can help us. And that it can help us to grow stronger and grow closer to Him. But if you don't understand it, you know how it says that it's profitable for teaching. How can you be taught if you don't know who's teaching you? How can you, for correcting, for training in righteousness, if you don't know what you're reading? If you don't know personally, get a Bible that shows you how. If you don't want to buy a new Bible, look it up. I promise you, every bit of this information is available on your smartphone, is available on the Internet, and it's available from any teacher who's willing to teach you. God wants us to study the Word. He wants us to be involved in it. And Psalm 119, as we read it, let me go there. Psalm 119, we see this. Blessed are those who walk blameless, who walk in the way of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek, his, who seek him with their whole hearts. When we walk in the way of the Lord, when we seek his testimonies, when we seek his instructions, we're blessed. When we keep his commandments, we're blessed. And going on it says, who, always, who also do no wrong, who walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to keep diligently that it may be steadfast in your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having fixed my eyes on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. We're taught that if we actually do more than just glance at the word of God, we actually study it. We actually commit it to our hearts. It will keep us blameless. It will keep us upright. It will not only change the way we live, it will change the world around us, sees us, and sees God. But listen, guys, and I'll, I'll be completely honest. I'm as guilty as anyone else. If we don't treat the Bible with importance, it won't change our lives. Outside of camp, when is the last time you actually picked up the Bible just to read and grow? Outside of being required to, outside of church, outside of somebody picking it up and telling you it's time to turn somewhere, when is the last time you studied it for your purposes? To grow. Because as we saw, as this in, whoever wrote this psalm, you know what? I'm not even going to pretend I know. I'm going to look. 
Here's what my Bible says. This psalm is an acrostic poem of 22 stanzas following the Hebrew alphabet with a stanza. Each verse begins the same Hebrew letter. You know what? I don't know who wrote Psalm 119, but I bet I can find out. And I bet you can too. My money's on David just because I always assume David wrote Psalms, but that's not always right. But it says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. If you don't study God's word, if you don't know God's word, how can you walk in it? Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong and walk in his ways. Guys, I could go on, but I'm just going to stop. Because here's what you need to understand. The word of God can change your life. But you need to be able to study it and you need to be able to understand it to do so. You need the Holy Spirit to truly be able to take the whole the Bible in and to understand as you should. But one of the first steps, one of the basic deduction things you need to know is to be able to figure out who wrote it and who it's who it's for, who it's addressed to. You need to know who wrote it and who it's addressed to. When you figure that out, when you know those things, I promise your understanding of Scripture will increase and you will be able to understand better. God wants this Word to be alive and active in you and it want, He wants it to be able to change you and you need to be able to know what you're reading and why you're reading. Alright, let's pray together. God, we thank You so much today for who You are and You give us Your Word and God... You chose those men so long ago to write down your word. And we know that you're more important than they are, but God, we need to see that when we have a better understanding of Scripture, we can have a better understanding of you. So God, help us not to be passive when we read his word, your word. Help us not to be lazy when we read it, but that we would truly hunger and thirst for your word so that we can draw closer to you. That just as you moved in the lives of the people who wrote this scripture, you can move in our lives, and the same spirit that inspired them to write these words down is the same spirit that can inspire us to live them out. So God, help us to have a passion for your word. Help us to have a hunger for your word. Help us to thirst for it, that we can draw closer to you all the way. In Christ's name, amen.